Good evening and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence. We had a number of visitors with us this morning and we've got more back tonight and for that we're grateful. I do want to express appreciation to all that are visiting with us. We invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. I mentioned this morning my appreciation to Jared for preaching in my absence last week. I appreciate Jared. I appreciate also Billy leading our class on Tuesday. And I'm very grateful for the team of workers that we have here at Olive Branch. I think we have a great congregation. What makes it great? The people. And it's a blessing to be a part of this church. We're also thankful to have Joel and Lori White with us tonight. Joel went through the Memphis School of Preaching. And Lori is, uh, well, she wears a lot of hats at GBN. I don't really know if she has one specific title. But she does a lot of different things and does all of those things well, and so we appreciate them. And Tim is also with us tonight. And Tim has a background in television, and Tim works at GBN as well. And we appreciate him, and we're grateful that they have chosen to be with us for our worship service tonight. I was told that Joel led singing tonight, and so appreciate him taking part in the singing before our service tonight. We're going to be looking at Psalm 119. And we're going to be looking at verses 160 down through 165. The song that we sang just a moment ago really, I think, sums up this lesson. And this lesson has to do with the precious book, divine. That is God's holy word. You would be hard-pressed to find a passage of scripture that exalts God's word more than the 119th Psalm. Over and over again, the psalmist talks about his love and affection for God's word and the power that it has in his life. And in Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway." How lost we would be without God's Word. How grateful we ought to be that we have access to the greatest book that has ever been penned. And we ought to be grateful that we have the opportunity to read and study and meditate on this truth every day. And we ought not to take that lightly. It seems to me that we live in a country that unfortunately, has devalued God's Word. It may be the case that many no longer respect the truths that are contained in God's Holy Word. And yet those of us who are here tonight, we appreciate and love this book. And we understand what it means to us and the power that it has in our lives and the influence that it has been in our lives. God's Word has resonated within the hearts and lives of those of us who are here tonight, and for that we're grateful. I want to begin tonight by first of all talking about the plenary truth, and that word plenary is spelled P-L-E-N-A-R-Y, and the word itself means complete, full. And really this idea is captioned 
in Psalm 119, 160, when the psalmist said, the entirety of your word is truth. Some translations say the sum of your word is truth. I want to suggest that there are no deficiencies when it comes to the truth of Almighty God. Everything that we need to know about life and godliness, as Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3, has been revealed. In this book, as Peter would say in verse 4, there are exceeding great and precious promises. We've said before, and I think it's true, there are facts that we must believe. There are commands that we must obey. And there are promises to be enjoyed. All contained in this book that we call Scripture. Now you think about what the psalmist is saying here. The sum, that is the summation, the entirety of God's Word is truth from cover to cover, from Genesis to the Revelation. Every single word is divine truth. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Every scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And so to understand and appreciate the fact that we have at our disposal the entirety of God's holy word. I mentioned a moment ago, there are no deficiencies. Jude said that we have the faith that has been once and for all delivered. We don't have to worry about looking for more revelation. We don't have to subtract from the Word of God. We don't have to add to. We don't have to modify this book. God has seen fit to give us everything we need that relates to life and godliness. There's a second thing I want you to see in Psalm 119, 160 along these same lines, as we think about the entirety of your word is truth. Not only are there no deficiencies, but there are necessary discoveries of truth. Think for a minute about how blessed we are to read and study and meditate upon the truth of God. The psalmist said that he meditated on the law of God day and night in Psalm 1 and verse 2. In Psalm 119, 97, he said, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Did you know that you have the opportunity to go, the, to go through this book with, as we say, a fine-tooth comb? You can read and study and meditate on this truth day and night, and you will continue to be astounded by the truths that are contained therein. One of the beauties of Scripture is that we are invited or encouraged to study. And to not only study, but to search. Those of us who belong to the family of God, we have been on a quest, haven't we? A quest for truth. There ought to be a thirst for truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. The promise being they shall be filled. And so I think about the noble Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. The Bible says that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. 
in that they receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. You don't have to take your preacher's word for it. You don't have to take an elder's word for it or a deacon's word. You don't have to take the word of any person. But rather, you have the opportunity, the privilege to read, to study, to search out the truth of Almighty God. And all of us ought to be concerned enough about our eternal welfare, our salvation, to read and to search and to make sure that what we believe and what we practice is biblical. Because Peter said, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts always and be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Jesus said in John chapter 5, Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. He said, these are they that testify of me. So we ought to search regularly the truth of God. And the beauty of searching and studying is reflected in the fact that it brings about spiritual growth. And that's what we're after. Because Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a second thing I want you to see in the latter part of Psalm 119, 160. It has to do with the perpetuity of truth. Listen now to what he said. Every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. First think about how the truth is constant. In other words, God's word, God's truth is not going anywhere. That's the beauty of scripture. Down through the ages, there have been a lot of folks that have done their very best to denigrate, to undermine, to circumvent the power of God's Word. There have been some that have sought to the best of their ability to assail this book, to bring it down, to destroy it. And guess what? Still here. I think about the words of Isaiah, and Isaiah penned about seven centuries before Jesus ever came to earth. And Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40 at verse 8, the word of our God endures, listen to him, forever. God's word's not going anywhere. We live in a day and time in which many people in our country, as I said a moment ago, may not appreciate divine truth. We purged it in our government. We have purged it from our judicial courthouses. We have purged it from our schoolhouses. We've purged it from our homes. And guess what? God's Word's not going anywhere. As a nation of people, we may say, you know what? God's Word is not for us. But we'll never undermine it. We'll never destroy it. We will never circumvent its power. That's the beauty of Scripture. And so this book will last Forever. As a matter of fact, here's one thing about the truth. You think about everything that you possess in this life. Your home, automobiles, your clothing, your jewelry, all the assets that you have accumulated over time. Every single thing that you have here, this side of eternity, will perish, won't it? Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, when the Lord comes... The heavens are going to be dissolved with a great fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The world as we know it's going to be destroyed. There's one thing, however, that will stand the test of time. You know what it is? It's God's truth. This book right here that you hold in your hands, you'll see it in the judgment. 
we'll all stand before God. And as John said in Revelation chapter 20, he saw the dead, the small and great standing before God, and he said the books were opened. That's the Old Testament books and the New Testament books. Those who lived under the period of the patriarchs, they'll be judged according to that law. Those who lived under the law of Moses will be judged, judged accordingly. And those of us today who are living, we're going to be judged by the law of Christ, according to Paul in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 2. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, he said, the same shall judge him in the last day. I would caution people in our world today, and especially in this country, those who are prone to cast insults at the word of God and those who laugh and scorn this book that we call the Bible, ought to step back and rethink some things. Because whether they understand it or not, one day they're going to stand before God and he's going to open this book. And the only thing that's going to matter on that final day is whether our lives are in harmony with his will. Nothing else will matter. You think about politicians and entertainers and sports figures and then just the common people. The rich, the poor, the black, the white, the educated, the uneducated will all be before Almighty God. And as John said, the books are going to be opened. And we're going to give an account of the deeds done in the body according to what we've done, whether good or bad. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 10. And so the perpetuity of God's holy word the fact that this book will endure forever. I think that says something to us. We ought to make sure that we are spending time in this book on a daily basis. Those of you that are in school, you understand the importance of getting ready for a test, making sure that you know the material. Well, we have material that we need to master. And that material is God's holy word. There's another thing I want you to see. Look at verse 161. We talk about the plenary truth and the perpetuity of truth. Think about the praise of truth. In Psalm 119, 161, the psalmist said, Princesses persecute me without a cause. But my heart stands in awe of your word. It is impressive to see individuals who are in the military. To stand back and to just note the reverence and the respect that they have for our country. For the flag. To see a soldier stand and salute the flag that flies across this country. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of people that appreciate the freedoms that we enjoy. And those in the military, they have in many respects paid great, they have paid a great price for our freedom. Sacrifices have been made down through the ages. Listen to the psalmist 
He said, my heart stands in awe, not of my country, not of my people, but my heart stands in awe of your word. Ever wondered, why should we stand in awe? Why should we reverence or respect God's word? Why should I stand in awe of this book that we call the Bible? I think, number one, because of its source. That is, because of its author. God is the one that has given us this book. Now you think about all the books that have been penned down through the ages. There have been a lot of good books that have been written. Do you know one book that would stand on par to this book that you call the Bible? I don't know of a single one. There have been literary masterpieces. There have been books that have, been, that have benefited the human family on so many planes. I think about the home, the government. I think about in the realms of science and medicine, etc. But all of those books pale in comparison to God's Word. Because God is the one that authored this book. Again, Paul said, all scripture, every scripture is inspired of God. Every single passage in this book inspired by Almighty God. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. That is, it didn't originate with man. He said the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but rather holy men of God spoke as they were moved or born along by the Holy Spirit. Peter there is, is simply saying that those who have given us this book that we call the Bible were inspired men. That is, God used them to articulate His message to us. Let me give an example of that. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul said that God had given unto him revelation. And he said he took that revelation and wrote it down in a few words whereby he said, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So God has given us his word. And so we ought to stand in awe of this book because God is the author of it. And then I think in the second place, we ought to stand in awe of it because of its aim. What is the aim of scripture? To get you to heaven. What's important to you in this life? Think about all the things that occupy our attention. There are a lot of folks, they live, they live for one thing, that's sports. I love sports. I think all of us, most of us here tonight, we like football, basketball, baseball. We enjoy participating in athletic endeavors. We like to play golf. We like to play tennis, etc. There are a lot of things that there are a lot of things that we enjoy in this life. But I want you to think for a minute about the aim of Scripture. The things that I talked about just a minute ago, they're fun, but they're not necessary. But what about going to heaven? What's most important to you? the most important thing ought to be 
for you to one day be in the presence of God Almighty forever and ever. Let me tell you what, if you miss that because of some sporting event, because of some athletic endeavor, or because of your occupation, because of your professional pursuits, or whatever, if something blocks you from heaven, you've missed it all. Now, there are a lot of people. Their interest solely here upon planet Earth. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3? He said that there are those who mind earthly things, but he said our citizenship is in heaven. Whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people. Their attention is captivated by everything on this earth. And they miss out on that spiritual dimension of life. More importantly, they miss out on thinking about heaven and the beauties of heaven, the blessings of being there. So I think about the aim of Scripture is to get me from planet Earth to heaven. If I miss that, I miss it all. Now, I'm instructed as a parent to try to take my children with me. Paul said, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I think the the goal of every, every family, every mama and daddy ought to be to one day be in heaven and have their children there with them. If we, if we can accomplish that, let me tell you what, we are a success. I don't care what anybody says. Look at Noah. Noah preached for 120 years. How many people responded to his preaching and teaching? The Bible says he is a preacher of righteousness. And yet, Noah saved how many souls? Count them. Seven. A lot of people in our world today would say that was a failure. That was not a successful ministry. But in the eyes of God, he was a man of success. And why was that? Because he was a man of faith and obedience. I have no control over whether or not my children, you have no control over whether or not your children will live for God once they leave your home. But we have the opportunity while they are in our home to shape and to mold them in a manner and way that would be pleasing to God. There are a lot of crazy things going on in our country. And there are a lot of kids that you talk about messed up. They are messed up. Drugs and alcohol and premarital sex, you name it. And one of the reasons they are so messed up is because they didn't have a mama and daddy behind them saying, you know what, there is something called right and wrong. There's something called truth and error. And as long as you're under my roof, this is how you're going to live. And if the child gets out of line, guess what? He gets a swat on the backside. You know, Solomon said if you beat him with a rod, he'll not die. I think there's some mamas and daddies in our country today, they need to get the rod out. And they need to put it to some use. 
we got a lot of great young folks here. And we've got a lot of young folks, and I'm proud of every one of them. But you look at the young people that are just out of control in our country. Why is that? Because mamas and daddies have never paused to think about, number one, the author of Scripture, and number two, the aim of Scripture. They don't understand their responsibility is to rear that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have a country that is out of control from the White House on down. And the reason is because we don't understand what God's Word's all about. We don't understand the author of Scripture and we don't understand the aim of Scripture. Let me tell you what. Whatever has been tried in our country over the last generation or so has not worked. It doesn't take an Einstein to realize that the things that are going on in our country, the programs that have been implemented, have not worked. Let's just be honest about it. It hasn't worked. The home's in disarray. The government's in disarray. We're up to our ears in debt. If we'll go back to the book, We'll go back to Scripture. In every home, every mama and daddy, every child in our country began trying to apply this book to their lives. You know what would happen? In a generation, we would see a different country, wouldn't we? It'd be a different place to live in. But as long as you have people that will tell you this book's the enemy, this book's irrelevant, bunch of fiction, bunch of fables. As long as that's going on, we're in trouble. So the aim of Scripture, we ought to stand in awe of this book. And then, drop down and look with me if you would, to Psalm 119, 165. Let me just talk for a minute or two about the peace that is a result of truth. Listen now to what the psalmist said. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Let me just pause there for a minute. Do you have peace in your life? I'm talking about the peace that passes all understanding. Do you have that kind of peace? If you don't, something's not right. Something is out of balance. You ever driven a car? And had a, had a tire or maybe two tires that are out of balance? You ever tried to drive a car like that? Beat you to death. You ever had an auto, automobile and the front end's out of line? Let go of the wheel. What happens? Veer to the right, veer to the left. When people don't have the truth of God in their lives, you know what happens? They don't have peace. They don't have balance. There's no symmetry to their lives. There are a lot of folks in our world today that are trying to self-medicate the problems that they have. And the problem is, their problem is not really, well, their problem is spiritual in nature. And you can't self-medicate and by that I mean you can't use prescription drugs and you can't use other forms of drugs 
recreational drugs. You can't use alcohol to try to balance out that life. It doesn't work that way. By the same token, you can't use material things to somehow balance out that life. There are a lot of people in our world today, they have a bank full of money. And they've got everything that they could ever want. But their life, out of balance. They don't have any balance in life. They don't have any peace. They go to bed at night and they can't sleep. They got a million thoughts running through their mind. Up and down, up and down all night long. Well, why is that? Because they have a problem, and that problem can only be remedied by one person. You know who that person is? I like to call him Dr. Jesus, King Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ can make a difference in the lives of people. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ can deliver people from the bondage of sin. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus said, that those who are a servant of sin are literally a bondservant to that way of life. They are in servitude, so to speak. They have been, as Paul would say, taken captive by the devil to do his will in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. And yet Jesus has the ability to set you free, to give you the peace that passes all understanding. You remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1? Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through whom? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ can bring peace to your life. How does he do that? By delivering you from sin. So, those who are in Christ, those who are living for God, they can echo the sentiments of the psalmist when he said, Great peace have those who love your law. I'm not saying that when you become a Christian, when you begin following the Lord, that all your problems are going to vanish away. You're never going to have any problems or you're never going to have disappointments and other things that come about in life. But I'm saying this, you will have a deep-seated sense of contentment. You will have satisfaction in knowing that your God is at your side. And there is a peace that cannot be put into words that only children of God enjoy. Think about what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. In nothing be anxious. How many, how many times have you gone to bed at night and you can't sleep because you're worried about something? Ever happen? Yes or no? Paul said, in nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then he said, that because we have the privilege of prayer and laying all of our burdens and difficulties at the throne of God, we enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. I mentioned a moment ago that those of us who are in Christ, we've been delivered from the bondage of sin. And we have this peace that passes all understanding. And as the psalmist said, great peace have those who love your law. Think about as a child of God, how sometimes we get discouraged. You ever get discouraged? In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer encourages 
those of us who are living the Christian, the Christian life to run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then the writer said, Consider him who endured such gainsaying of sinners. And here's why. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. When you get discouraged, you can open this book. And you can read about other people that were discouraged. Let me give you an example. Elijah. You remember him? You remember when word got back to him that Jezebel was going to take his life because of that great showdown on Mount Carmel? Elijah was about to give up. And God said, look, I have 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Sometimes we need to be encouraged because we get discouraged in this world. You ever get disillusioned? You ever become cynical and pessimistic about life, about the way things are going in your life? When you have God on your side and when you understand the power of God's word, you can look at life differently. There are some folks, they're just negative. They're always negative. There are others, however, that are optimists. And they view things differently. And sometimes if you're not careful, life, because of the things that are going on in life, can leave you disillusioned and aggravated. Let me tell you what, you can go to the Word of God and you can get peace because here's the bottom line. I don't know what all is going to happen in the future, but I know this. I know who's in control of this world. Daniel said, the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. Do I get disillusioned? Do I, do I get discouraged sometimes? Yes, why? Because I'm a human being. But I can go to bed at night with the peace that passes all understanding. And then there's one other thing very quickly. Sometimes we get dissatisfied. I mentioned a moment ago the people in our world today that are dissatisfied with where they are in life. It's interesting to me that sometimes people will continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. They get the same results over and over again and they continue to do the same thing over and over again. There, there is, a, there is a, a definition of that. It's called ignorance. I mean, if you, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and you get the same results, that ought to tell you something. Well, there are a lot of folks that are dissatisfied. And they've tried everything the world has to offer. The bottom line is, this world will never make you happy fully, completely. You'll never be happy with just the things of this world. The things of this world, the blessings that we enjoy, they're great. We enjoy a lot of benefits and blessings from Almighty God, but the bottom line is those things won't satisfy the soul. Only God can do that. Solomon found that out. Solomon said, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. I would encourage all of us to realize that we can have peace 
through a relationship with God and through His Word. It might be the case that you're here tonight and maybe your life is not what you want it to be. Maybe your life is out of balance, out of kilter. Well, there are no magic wands that we can wave and just change everything overnight. But I can tell you this, if you'll take the Word of God and you'll begin living by this Word and you'll put God in your corner, you'll see a change in your life. You'll see a change in your attitude. And you'll see that you can get through this world despite the heartaches and the trials and the tribulations and the temptations. And one day, you can rest assured that God has a better place for you. It's called heaven. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. Won't you do what they did on Pentecost Day? Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. When you do that, God puts you in the church. The beauty of living the Christian life is if we're faithful, He'll bestow on us that crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful, maybe at one time you were living faithfully and you reflect back and you think about the peace and the blessings and the joys that you had in Christ and you realize that you don't have those things now. I'm here to tell you that you can enjoy them once again. You can reclaim them if you'll come back to God. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that with you tonight as we stand and sing.